before we get started, I just want to recognize a few people that are in the house. Uh, first of all, Joel, Joel and Tina Christie, would y'all stand? And just This is Joel and Tina Christie. They're elders at Seacoast, longtime friends. I won't tell them how many years, Joel. Fred and Tracy Norris are here. They're from Seacoast. They were, the, they were at Northwood Assembly as the worship leaders in the youth group, went with Greg and Debbie Surratt to Seacoast Church and uh, helped plant that church as worship leaders. Stand up and let them see you. Dr. Ron Hamilton. Yeah, Dr. Hamilton. <clears throat> he was part of the original plant as well at Seacoast. Unbelievable, huh? Beside him, I'm just going to go ahead. You're not, you're not on the list. This is David Rowell. David Rowell, stand up. He, he's a Seacoaster. He led worship at Summit Church, Seacoast Church in Columbia. He's been a great friend for a long time. Robert Gerber is in the house. He's the architect of this thing. Robert, would you stand up? Robert Gerber's in the house. He's a Charlestonian as well. Byron and Linda Carraway, I know they're here. Byron, yeah. Byron can't stand it. Hey, he can. He's got a boot on. Stand up. Long time high school buddy. Been around a long time. So good to see you guys here. Glad you're here. Um, Jason and Whitney Barefoot are in the house, too. This is right back. She's got a freshborn. Stand up, Jason. This is my nephew. This is my brother's son and his wife. They live in Rock Hill. They're here this morning. Joy Rumble's here this morning, everybody. Ha, <laughs> So, so glad about that. Matthew and Amber Hunt are here. Matthew's up on stage. Amber, stand up, would you please? There's Amber Hunt, yep. And last but not least, Greg and Debbie Surratt, senior pastors, lead pastors at Seacoast Church. They're here. Debbie, would you stand with your husband, Greg? We're... So what we're trying to embark on this morning, what we're trying to do is we're kind of trying to cut the service in half, and Greg's kind of the middle that's going to just bring some things that are on his heart that made him successful in reaching a city. I don't know that I've ever been a part of anything that reached a city like Seacoast Church reached Charleston. It was an amazing, amazing thing that I got to be a part of, and... Um, He's going to talk to us a little bit about that. But what we're going to do in the beginning parts, we're going to go ahead, guys, come on up. We're going to have some of the old folks, those that have, that young old folks, because they were like, you know, they were two when they started here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to kind of celebrate and be thankful for the past and what God did when he planted. And we're going to have some testimony about that. And we're going to pray. We're going to pray this morning. Pray all those things in, and then, and then Greg's going to come in the middle and kind of just share his heart about that, and then we're going to have some, some friends of mine that love me, love Eastside, have been praying for us for years. They're going to come up, and they're going to just prophetically pray and give a little bit of a short word. Everybody say short. Say short Dr. Ron. Okay, good, good, good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, 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 kidding. <clears throat> and then we're going to close out this celebration, and then we're going to go to work. We've been in hibernation long enough. It's, it's time to reach a city. Yeah? Yeah. 
Ladies and gentlemen, this is Brock Nevitt. This is our youth pastor. This is Anna Strelowski, our children's pastor. This is Matthew Hunt, who was the, the uh, old youth pastor and everything else Joey Rumble wanted him to do, including the old, old, something about an oil can and lubricate something and get to work. Some, 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 I don't know what that means, but something like that. But uh, he is now one of our overseers. He passes the church in Kansas. We're so glad to have you here, Matthew. Thank you for making time to come, brother. Well, good morning, Eastside. Happy birthday. <laughs> You're 20 again. How does that feel? <laughs> so, uh, you know, I was reminiscing with Pastor Joey before, before the service about uh, our first Sunday, my family's first Sunday here. I was um, somewhere around 15-ish. Um, I don't know, something like that. Holy cow. Our first, our first uh, Sunday, what drew us in the door, I don't even, I, I still, he told me the story, but I still don't really know how Joey pulled it off, but he got the uh, safety for the Carolina Panthers to speak at our, at the service, uh, Mike Minner, and uh, my parents found that out, my mom found that out, and she was like, hey, let's, let's try this little church out that's, uh, they're, they're having pastor, or they're having uh, Mike Minner come and speak, that'll, that'll be cool, and little did I know that I'd be here some 20 years later, um, You know, The Lord's done some incredible things in the last 20 years. We've been through some difficult times, and we've been through some really great times. And the Lord's been faithful, and He's been good. And I'm so proud to be here. And so I was reminded, I was reminded that throughout Scripture you see when the Lord does something great, you would set up an altar, and you would set up a remembrance, an Ebenezer, and you would remember all the good things that the Lord would do. But I'm also reminded that in Philippians, Paul says, I'm not going to focus on what lies behind. But I'm going to press forward. That there's something incredible that the Lord wants to do. 
in this next season. Just like there was something incredible that he's done in this past season. There's something else that we're stepping into. And it starts today. There's something, there's something that the Lord wants to do. And so I want to pray that in. I want to pray in that there's something that the Lord wants to do in your life. You're involved in that next season. But even more so, I feel like the Lord is focusing right now on the next generation. That he's focusing on your children and your children's children. The ones that are across the way right over there. There's, there's future leaders in this youth group and there's future leaders in the kids ministry. And that's what the Lord is focused on right now. And so, Father, I pray that that would be our heart, that we would partner with heaven. That we would partner with heaven in raising up the next generation of leaders, the next generation of Christ followers that are going to carry out your purpose and your kingdom and your will in this church, in this community, in this world. Father, I pray that you would raise up men and women who have that heart, the heart of heaven, for our children. Father, I pray that you would raise up mothers and fathers who understand what Proverbs tells us about training a child in the way that they should go so that when they're older, so that when they go out into the world, when the disappointments of life hit them, it doesn't matter because they're going to default to their level of training, which is righteousness, which is your kingdom, which will never fail us, which will never let us down. Father, I pray for that. I pray that as we, as we step into this season, as we step into this next 20 years. Lord, we're celebrating everything that you've done, and I thank you for it. I celebrate everything that you've done in this last season, and we press on toward the higher call in Christ Jesus. Amen. 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 Well, my name is Anna Strelowski, and I am the next-gen pastor here at Eastside. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 16 years ago, last month, um, I moved here from Tulsa, Oklahoma, to work with my brother, who extended an invitation for me to come work for free. And what kid fresh out of Bible school doesn't want to work for free? And um, so I came, and, and I've gotten to experience the Lord do an incredible work. And I've just as we've been preparing for this celebration this week, one of the things that just keep ringing true in my heart is that before the foundation of the world, the Lord knew he was going to put a vision and a heart in Joey Rumble. And he also knew that he was going to bring all of this about. And what I love even more is exactly what Brock said. We're not going to look back and say, look at what God used to do at Eastside. But we're going to get to look ahead and say, look at what he's doing and is going to continue to do. And um, can, I tell a st can I tell that story? Is that okay? Okay. I got permission. So if you get offended, talk to him. Um, we were talking and reminiscing just about funny stories. And my favorite favorite memory with both Alex and Joey and uh, was um, right before 
Um, I, was, I was the youth pastor at the time and leading worship here <laughs> at the church. And um, I didn't know why Alex was here. Um, he was at our bonfire that we were having for the teenagers. And um, Joey told me, hey, I, <laughs> Stephen's already shaking his head. Joey said, hey, uh, we, need to have, we need to have a talk. He's like, let's go to, let's go to Bojangles. And it was Joey, <laughs> Stephen, and Alex, Pastor Alex. And I called my husband on the way, and I said, I think I'm getting fired. I don't know what to do. And he was like, at work, he was like, I'm sorry. I don't know how to help you right now. So we're sitting at Bojangles, because that was Joey's favorite place to meet. And it's like me on one side and the three of them, these big men. I'm not a... Little, I'm a little person, so I'm like, it's very intimidating, and I'd never had, I literally had just met Pastor Alex, and, and Joey looked at me, and he said, well, Stephen and I asked you to hear today, and, and Alex here is our, our witness, because we needed to tell you about our relationship, <laughs> and I just looked at him, and we all just started laughing, because there could be nothing further from the truth, and this was my first impression of Pastor Alex. He's sitting there, and his eyes just went, he had no idea that Joey was going to say that. And it was awesome. And then they told me what was really happening, that Alex was going to be coming. And, and <laughs> some of you guys still haven't gotten it. It's okay. It'll come later. It'll come later. It's fine. It's fine. And it was this pivotal moment where I had to make a decision if I was going to stay or go. And... Um, I'm grateful that I stayed. And, but I'm going to be honest, there's a lot of times I didn't want to stay. Right? <laughs> but when the Lord calls you to something, he's faithful to equip you with what you need. And um, I'm not as good as memorizing scripture as Brock, so I'm going to have to read my scripture. That's why I'm the next gen. No, I'm just kidding. 1 Thessalonians 5 says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit. Some of you need to remember that. Because sometimes the Spirit looks weird. Because we don't understand it. But he tells us not to quench it. Do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Take it to scripture. Take it to the Lord. Make sure that it lines up with the word of God. Don't just take everything at face value because somebody says, I have a prophecy for you. That's what that says. Abstain from every form of evil. Now, Eastside Church, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit and whole body, not just your spirit, but your whole body, be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus because he who calls you is faithful, won't he surely do it? Father, we thank you that you are faithful. You were faithful 20 years ago. You were faithful 12 years ago. You were faithful a year ago, two years ago, when we thought that everything was falling apart. You were still faithful. 
Father, we thank you that even when we don't see what you're doing, you are working and you are moving and you are preparing a foundation for what you desire to accomplish because everything is to bring you glory. And so, Father, we as a, as a family from literally all over, Father, we join together and we say, Lord, we thank you that you've called us. You're faithful to accomplish it. You've equipped us for the task. And Father, we thank you for what you desire to do, not just right now, but for the generation to come. Because everything that you're establishing now is for the next generation, just like Brock prayed. Father, I thank you that it is not a coincidence that the three people standing on this stage right now have a heart for the next generation to see you do what only you can do because, Father, you desire for us to reach them before we have to rescue them. Father, I thank you for every single child in the room across from us right now. Father, I thank you that they would prophesy. I thank you that they would dream dreams. I thank you that they would have visions. Father, I thank you that they would begin to declare the truth of who you are as kingdom kids. Father, I thank you that you would equip us as parents to carry out the task. Father, I thank you for the awesome opportunity to join with mothers and fathers to equip their kingdom kids to do what you've taught, what you've established for parents to do. Not the church, but for parents. Father, we love you. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you that you are always, always faithful. Father, continue to do what only you can do. In Jesus' name. Amen. It's uh, an honor to stand here before you today. Um, I think it's important that we today not look at our past, but uh, I really feel a bit of an assignment to remind you of our story. Because it's as we understand our story, then we understand the significance of our calling. It was in 2003 that my wife Amber and I came on staff when we moved from Tulsa to here uh, with Joey and Jenny, and we fell in love with the Rumbles right away. Uh, just dear, dear people, love the Lord and have a passion. And there, we spent about four and a half years here on staff seeing the church grow and uh, move forward. And uh, I was young and fresh out of it. But there are three things that I remember from my time here. The first was uh, that as a church, uh, part of our story is that we never shrink back. Hebrews chapter 10. If Joey said it once, he said it a billion times, never shrink back. It was on the back of every sign as you drove outside uh, away from the Shrine Club. There was a sign, don't shrink back, don't shrink back. Friends, Eastside family, you are a people, we are a people that don't shrink back. We, we hold true to the, what God's word actually says, and we trust it. We move with it. We walk with it. And we are people who don't shrink back, but we hold with the resolve to our faith in God. Not our faith in our feelings, not a faith in our experience, but a faith in God. And uh, it was early on. We were sitting in the Shrine Club in an office. It was probably a Monday or a Tuesday early in the morning. Uh, Michael Roberts, our worship leader, and myself were there. And in came, comes Joey. He drops a can of motor oil with wrapped around it. And it said Matthew's transmission fluid because apparently I wasn't having the drive that I needed to. And it was true. I didn't. 
And that was his loving way of telling me to kick it into a different gear. And we never looked back. We kicked it into a new gear. Uh, Joey, you taught me uh, the importance of assimilation. You taught me the importance of strategy and system and to think differently. You introduced me to voices in the body of Christ that shaped me uh, to where we, where we learned how to be charismatic but not crazy, how to be life-giving and not life-sucking. You, you introduced me to people who taught me to think differently in creating a space where people far from God can encounter the real Jesus. And I'm so forever thankful for it. Friends, Psalms 92 says, uh, like the righteous will flourish like trees of Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord, they'll flourish in the courts of our God. In their old age, and you can attach yourself to that if you want, but in their old age, they will still bear fruit and remain green. Stay planted. There is a blessing for those who choose to remain And when you will remain, you abide. When you abide, you produce more fruit. You're going to be pruned either way. So you can either remain and bear fruit or be burnt. You're pruned if you do and pruned if you don't. So just stick. Planted. Rooted. Established in the Lord. So so we don't shrink back. Number two, we invest in the next generation. It's not the church of tomorrow. It is absolutely the church of today. We learned in this place, part of the fabric of our story is that we just bring young leaders along with us. So from the initial, from from the very beginning stages of area kids to our youth ministry and discipleship and training young leaders how to love Jesus, read his word, and to be a part of the church, we still do that Today, we, we had a front row seat to what it looked like to love people and serve people. And, 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 and I'm so thankful for those seasons and those moments. I want to remind you, though, if you want a forest, you have to start planting seeds for trees. Jesus said that, uh, or Paul said it this way. He says, um, God will supply seed to the sower and bread for the eater. Friends, we have to stop eating our seed. We can't grow comfortable in consuming the fruit of today because within the fruit of today are the seeds for the next harvest. In this season, we plant seeds for tomorrow's harvest. So as we start looking at the next generation and the church of today, it's not time to consume it and feel good about our laurels and where we were. It's time to sacrifice and to seed again. See, because in the fruit that you're experiencing today is actually the seeds of tomorrow's harvest. And we get to sow those into good ground. And it's time for the hearts of the fathers to turn back to the hearts of the children. Because that's when the move of God begins to happen. And I'm thankful that we never shrink back, that we invest in the next generation. And we are a praying church. We're a praying church. Woven in the fabric of this place is prayer. I remember early mornings of prayer. I don't think the devil was up at 5 a.m., but Joey Rumble was. So we gathered and we prayed. Prayed with men like Larry Epley and Brian Mahalik and Jimmy Strzelowski and uh, men who were there because they wanted to pray. I was there because I didn't want to get fired. But I learned the importance of a praying church because a praying church gets propelled by the power of the Spirit. A praying church is one that um, understands the providence and the purposes of God, and they see it come to pass. 
a praying church is a church that understands how to enter in someone else's pain with compassion before they start prescribing all of the ways to fix their problems. No, they just enter into the pain through prayer. Friends, this is a house that is a praying house, a praying church. And I'm thankful that I learned the importance and the power of praying. So, Father, would you stir our hearts back to children? Would you remind us not to shrink back despite the circumstance? Would you help us get our eyes off ourselves and our adult problems and begin to look at the future of what you've already placed in this house in seed form? And, Father, would you make us a praying people, a people that aren't there to posture in presumptive ways, but a people that are called to pursue your heart in prayer. Father, the great greatest element of soul care is a prayer life. So help us, Father, breathe your spirit and your life in prayer. Birth something new in our hearts, Father. We ask these things in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, friends, would you stand and join me in giving a huge welcome to our founding pastor, uh, redemptive Ric Flair. Come on, give it up for Mr. Joey Rumble. So I'm a senior pastor of Summerbrook Church in uh, Somerville, South Carolina, and we just got done with our uh, men's conference yesterday afternoon, and during the men's conference, uh, a bunch of the guys decided to go skate, skeet shooting, and so the guy in charge of the skeet shooting said, before we start, I want to know if any of you have any uh, experience. I want to go around and ask about your experience. And so we actually had a few of the guys with us that had been in the military, and I, uh, they, they went around and started telling their history. And I started getting more and more insecure as the time went on. Like, like one of them like literally flew in a helicopter and shot guns out of the helicopter and had all these names for the gun. I was like, and so he came to me and I'm like, I've shot a gun twice in 30 years. <laughs> I was just so intimidated as he was asking uh, me my experience with uh, shooting. But if he had asked me, what's your experience with planting churches? I would have told him about the story of Eastside. You know, and uh, I really was just a product of my environment. Back in the year 2000, uh, uh, Fred Richard and Northwood Church, back then Northwood Assembly, had planted several churches, and I just became a product of my environment and had a heart to plant because that's what all the younger pastors did. They grew up and went out and planted churches. And so my brother lived in Charlotte and I'd been up here several times and saw the growth of the area and really wanted to go into a growing area that I wanted to spend the rest of my life at with my family. And we came up here in 2001 and with uh, 11 adults and nine kids. And with those uh, 11 adults and nine kids, we planted Eastside 
church two days before 9-11 back in 2001. So uh, Jenny and I and our three kids at the time, uh, Mary was fourth grade, Amy was second grade, and Brad was in kindergarten. And we rolled our sleeves up with the team and planted Eastside Church. Uh, Stephen Vula was uh, a part of that team, just a tremendous uh, uh, influence in the kingdom of God. And, but we were in an area we didn't feel called to. We couldn't find a school right in this area that would let us meet or was available. And I was just so frustrated. I was frustrated with God. We were so far away from this area. We were off of IBM Drive is at Moorhead Elementary uh, is where we were planting. And, and the Lord started putting on my heart that you're not looking hard enough. And it was a clear, not audible voice of God, but it was a strong whisper of God shouting in my spirit, you are not looking hard enough. Again and again out here, you're not looking hard enough. So finally I said, uncle, and I, I, I said, God, I'm gonna ask anyone that's got a pulse of where we could meet. Do you know any place right around this area where we could meet? And so I, I ended up, and I, I, as I was driving in here this morning, I, I saw that corner store. It's got a different name than now, but back then it was called the corner store. And I asked them, do you know of a place where a church could meet? And we, we had been going for, it was about April time frame when I asked this. So we'd been going from September to April and, and struggling and really struggling. And he says, well, there's a shrine club down the end of the street right here. I said, shrine club? I've never seen no shrine club. And, and I, I drove right down the street to the end. I said, we could fit a church there. And saw the picnic pavilion on the back side of it. I said, we could figure out a way to have a kid's service in that area. And that's what we did. Got permission to meet there. And our church started to grow. It was awesome what God began to do. And we ended up uh, enclosing the picnic shelter on the back side. We first had it with... Um, you know, like canvas and all that, whatever you could do to make that work. But we eventually, that was our first building project that we enclosed it in, and that was our kids' space and our uh, nursery space. And uh, Chris Strelowski and his brother, Brian Strelowski, committed their whole summer every day with a, another group of guys and some ladies to uh, make it to where when you come to church, it was a, a great adult service, but uh, for the kids as well. So we started growing, and, and, and you've heard some of the stories. of uh, That's when we had hired Matthew and some of the other team, and, and God was doing some great things. But then God started putting on my heart again, not an audible voice, but a very strong whisper. You need to go up and talk to the pastor of the church at the corner, at, at the, where you are now. It used to be New Life Baptist Church. And three nights in a row before I went to bed, I heard that strong whisper. Finally, after the third night, I've learned, say uncle, and I went and called the pastor, and he was actually an interim pastor at the time, and uh, he was uh, just moving out, and he said, you know, th this might work, and he goes, I want to connect you with the church, and so he, he connected me with Phil and Dolly, who were here on the third row, and uh, so we talked, and uh, they ended up taking a big step of faith and took on our church name, our bylaws. And literally the first day we stepped into the church, Phil handed me the keys and said, you go run. I can't even remember the words, but it was like, here you go, run with it. And man, what God has done. I tell you what, it, 
I am so, so proud of all of you. So, so proud. Some of the things I learned that were so touching, and I want to lean in for, first of all, those that were on the stage. Anna, she became, you know, she interned here, and then when Matthew moved on, she became our youth pastor and worship uh, leader, but uh, she met her husband here. Chris Dolowski, they met here. They got married here. They're raising a family here. They're investing here. Brock uh, met Mel here got married here. Uh, Mel was living in another state, but because Matthew as a youth pastor was making such a powerful impact for the kingdom of God and the teenagers, she ended up moving down here and that, and Brock ended up making that happen and got married. And so, uh, you know, you, you, you impact generations in in an incredible way. And, uh, Stephen and Janessa and their, their ministry and, uh, what happened there. It just touches my heart to see how God continues to do that again and again. We're reflecting, Michael Wallace, your, wor- your worship leader now, how did we meet? And he's, because I couldn't remember, he goes, I remember us meeting for coffee. Anna was uh, serving at uh, my kid's middle school Christian club and had met Michael there and got us connected. And that's how Michael Wallace, the connection there happened. See, God builds his kingdom relationally. And so congrats, Alex and Liz and Eastside Church. So excited for you. 20 years, way to go, way to make a difference uh, for the kingdom of God. Um, I do got to bring clarity to the transmission fluid. Uh, I saw uh, Matthew as an unbelievable leader, him and Amber, and and it just wasn't happening. And, And I knew he had everything. And, and so I put it there to say, hey, you got to get this moving. Come on. But this is what I learned. He just got out of Bible college, had just got out, was wore out. He just needed a little bit of break, just a little bit of refresher. And, man, what an incredible job he did here. And uh, it, you understand, not, not only did he do it here at Eastside, but Matthew and Anna were my kids' youth pastors as they got older. So they poured into my heart, and uh, I want to say uh, Jenny would love to be here, but we got five grandkids, two years, nine months, and under, and uh, she carries a lot of titles there at, at Summerbrook Church, so just so you know, she says hi and thank you uh, so much for your faithfulness. I, I love those that I know I love giving you hugs. I really appreciate it. Uh, Kevin and Deb Carney, so uh, thankful to see y'all and so so proud of you guys. Je- My wife and Deb Carney had a painting business together. They called it Two Moms and a Brush. Uh, and so when Jenny left, I said, w- w- what are you going to call it now, Deb? One mom and a bristle? I mean, what's that? <laughs> so, uh, but two verses, the one they've been sharing several times, don't shrink back. East side, don't shrink back. Continue to pursue what God has placed on your heart. The, the best is yet to come. I'm telling you, the best is yet to come. And the last one is Psalms 1-3. While I was a pastor here, I was hiking over in the Blue Ridge Parkway, uh, Blue Ridge Mountains, and I saw a little sapling of a tree growing up in the rock. 
And I didn't understand how a tree could grow up in the rock. And I looked closer. It was right by a waterfall. And the roots found a way to go from there all the way to the water. And God spoke to me. Psalms 1-3 about my own heart. Plant yourself by streams of living water. As you are planted in me, Joey, receive that life-giving water that I provide. The, the, the flow of the Spirit, the strengthening of God in your life. Receive that. So I want to encourage you, Eastside, receive the life-giving flow of Christ in your lives. Continue to remain rooted in him. He's got you. God bless you. So proud of you. Think, uh, I, just, I pray for you. Think of you. Um, Alex, Liz, way to go. Congrats. Yeah. <laughs> well, <clears throat> we're in for a treat. How many have been treated already? <laughs> yeah. Um, this next guy is the uh, founding pastor of Seacoast Church, and he has influenced, he's influenced all of us. Now, one of the things you got to know, the, the folks that you're about to see all came out of Northwood Assembly. Northwood Assembly started Seacoast. Northwood Assembly started um, uh, Summerbrook, where Joey is. Uh, Northwood Assembly uh, uh, started about eight, I think. Is it eight? It's about eight churches, I think, all around. So th they are sister churches to us, and and it's just it's pretty amazing what Northwood Assembly did as well in Charleston. Um, this next guy... Uh, I was in a small group in his office just with a few men, and we began to meet and, and, uh, and just study God's Word and pray together and have fun together and begin to hold each other accountable together and, and just began to love each other. And, uh, and he saw a young guy that he believed in, and he took a chance. And Debbie led him. <laughs> and uh, he hired me. And he, we, we, I was able to be a part of an organization that I joined them at about 325, which is how many seats are in here currently. And they have grown. I think Greg was telling me that there was about 17,000 people Easter at the main campus. They, how many is it now? Is it 11 campuses? Is it nine? How many campuses you got, Greg? Thirteen. I'm sorry, I short I shortcutted you there. Thirteen campuses, and uh, just made an incredible impact. I love this man. Let's give a incredible standing ovation for Greg Surratt as he comes and shares his heart for church. Wow. That was quite an introduction. I better be good, huh? I can't hardly wait to hear what I got to say. <laughs> it is just such an honor for us to be here. Um, Alex and Liz, I, how many of you love your pastor? Do you love your pastor? Um, Debbie, I, we just love you guys. We are so proud of you. I want you to know that. Um, yeah, I remember that Bible study and 
and the potential that was there in you and a couple of other guys. And, and uh, you were in the Navy then, I think, when you came to Charleston and uh, saw God in you. And, and, and God has just used you guys in such amazing ways. And, of course, how many of you know Alex way over married when he married Liz? And it, just, <laughs> it was just an amazing... That shows he's a good salesman, is what, is what, that, is what that shows. Yeah. And uh, we've had so many great times over the years, and it really is an honor for me to be here and with you guys. Um, Charleston friends, you know, Alex mentioned everybody. I'm glad he did. Uh, I, I won't mention anybody personally. We're just, it's great to be here. All my friends have, have uh, aged, and, um, but they've aged well. They really have, and uh, just getting ready. And so we're, we're just happy to see all of you. Uh, my wife Debbie is here. Uh, Debbie, you love this. Would you just stand? Yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah, come on. We've got we to gotta honor you just a little bit. She's, uh, she's the queen of our home. and uh, we have, we have, we, uh, We've been married 45 years this year, 45 years. And then um, we, uh, we have four kids. Uh, but what is exciting is we have 14 grandkids. How many of you are parents or grandparents here today? How many of you grandparents would have skipped parenting if you'd have known grandparenting was that good? <laughs> Yeah. I've got a picture real quick of our family, of uh, uh, some of our kids, I think. I think we get, yeah, there, there we go. Got a picture. This is a couple, three years ago, but we, uh, uh, we're all the same age, and we do blonde. Let me just explain some things. This little girl over here, we're believing she's going to come know Jesus someday. We really are. We, there's going to be a transformation. Let me tell you a story about this little guy in the middle. He's got a seersucker jacket on, and if you know anything about Charleston, you know, that's kind of the uniform in the summer, especially if you go to a, a wedding. And his name's Kingston, and he is a pistol. When he was three years old, uh, his mother believes in essential oils. You're going to have to turn the picture off because they're not going to look at me unless we get it. Her mother, how many of you believe in essential oils? I mean, you just believe. Yeah, yeah there's some. Yeah. Oh, I'm telling you. I didn't know anything about it, but I guess. You can, uh, you can, uh, what do they call it? Uh, diffuse. You can diffuse an oil in a kid's bedroom, and you can just about guarantee they'll grow up to be president someday. <laughs> it's the best thing, y'all. It's the best thing since Jesus. It really is. And so my daughter-in-law just believed. She had the perfect oil for each kid in each area and all this kind of stuff. Just awesome, and so she was diffusing some uh, oil in Kingston's bedroom that would do great things, and one day she came in, and there was a terrible smell in, her, in his bedroom, and she could not find it. She asked Kingston, you know, do you know he knew nothing, and so uh, took, her, took her 24 hours to figure out that Kingston had peed in the diffuser. <laughs> And for 24 hours, they were diffusing non-essential oils. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's a great story even if it has nothing to do with anything. But she was surprised. How I many of you would be surprised? We've all been surprised over the last couple of years, I mean, we didn't see coming what was coming. But how do you know that God isn't surprised? 
There's never been a day where God said, oop, my bad, I didn't see that coming. And here's the truth, and you don't have to remember anything else. This is the message uh, for, for somebody here today. Um, just because you're surprised by what happened in your family or in your job or in your area of responsibility, just because you're surprised doesn't mean that God's surprised. And if he, he's not surprised because he's omniscient, hard to surprise an omniscient God, he's at work on the solution before you even knew there was a problem. Okay? Right. Right. He really is. And that's a word for somebody here today. All right, so, so what I want to do is I want to just talk to you for a few minutes about um, what I know about the next season for this church. Now, I, I need to say up front, I'm not a prophet nor a son of a prophet. But I believe I've got a word for this church in the next season. You've come through 20 years. It's been fun listening to it. I want to talk to you about the next 20. How's that? Let's, let's just kind of jump in. Here's three things that I know about your future here. The first one is this, there will be blessing in the next season. I believe, I'm just experiencing this here this morning and just, I I believe there's going to be blessing and not just because of what I experienced here because it is the nature of God to bless. Okay, let me just give a couple of scriptures. The Lord is good, um, it's Psalm 145 verse one. The Lord is good, is it on the screen? Yeah. The Lord is good to most people. No, that's the revived substandard perversion is what that is. The Lord is good to all people. Democrats, Republicans, maskers, anti-maskers, vaxxers, anti-vaxxers. There there are a few other things we could name, right? Did you know that God loves all of them? And he's good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. And you need to know that. When you look at somebody who doesn't agree with you on something, I'm not gonna get off on this, but I have to just for a minute. When you look at somebody who doesn't agree with you on something, you need to realize you're looking at somebody that God made and that God has compassion on. Amen, isn't that good? Oh, that's great. Let's come back to it in a few minutes. All right, Psalm 34 and verse eight. Taste and see. Remember Michael Morris used to always say this. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. God's nature is to bless. Matthew 7, Jesus says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and the one who seeks finds and the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Why? Because it's God's nature to bless and there will be blessing on this house in the next season. Now, here's something I've learned about blessing is that uh, the measure of blessing in a new season is largely dependent on us. Did you know that? Because you find this principle all through the Bible that blessing is tied to obedience, okay? To the degree that we obey, blessing in fact follows obedience and to the degree that we obey, then we open ourselves to God's blessing. Uh, Deuteronomy 6.4 is the Shema. A lot of you have studied the the Israeli stuff and that's kind of a a liturgical prayer that every family would pray in the morning. They teach to their kids, hear O Israel, the Lord is one. Love God with your heart, soul, and strength. But in the previous scriptures to that, and arguably the most important scripture in the Old Testament, but in the previous scripture to that it says this, 
in Deuteronomy 6 and verse 1 through 3. It says, these are the commands, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. You must what? Obey them in the land that you're about to enter and occupy, and you and your children and grandchildren must fear the Lord, which doesn't mean afraid of God, reverence for God, reverence for God. He says, you must fear the Lord as long as you live, and if you what? Obey all of his decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Listen closely, Israel, and be careful to obey. obey. Then all will go well with you, and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord your God of your ancestors promised you. Blessing follows what? Obedience. Obedience. We determine, to a large degree, the measure of God's blessing in our life by our obedience to him. Do you buy that? Okay, here's one more scripture, just in case you don't. Deuteronomy 8 and verse 7, you go two chapters later, I love this. For the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land. That's Israel, but let's claim it for us. How about that? A land with brooks and streams and deep springs gushing out into the valleys and hills. A land with wheat and barley, vines and fig trees, pomegranates, olive oil, and honey. A land where bread will not be scarce and you will lack nothing. Guess where God was taking them? To Whole Foods. He said, let's go to, let's go to Whole Foods. Let's take the whole country to Whole Foods. There's everything there, he says. <laughs> now watch this next part, because this is so good, and we miss it a lot of times. Taking you to a land where the rocks are iron, and you can dig copper out of the hills. Who cares? What difference does that make? There's rocks, and they're iron rocks, and you can dig copper out of the hills. Let me, let me tell you, in context, this was written, if you studied history at all, there was the, the various ages, there was the Iron Age, right? And there was the, what was the, the next, the, the bronze? Okay, this is written in the crossover to those two. You know, they don't just go like this. It's, you've got one ending and one, one starting. And, and so the Iron Age, which they're coming out of, the currency of the Iron Age is what? It's, it's, it's the iron. And God said, I'm bringing you into a land where there's gonna be plenty of currency for this age, but not just for this age. If you will dig, if you will dig, you'll find copper in the hills, which is the technology of the next age. If you will dig. I'd love to expand on that, but l- l- let me just say this. We have got to be willing to go get it. We have got, don't shrink back. Last night in the concert, you're gonna have to take it to another level, he told us, to another level. So I wanna challenge you as a church, don't sit here. I wanna challenge you to go get it in the next season. I wanna challenge you to serve like you've never served before. I'm gonna challenge you to, to encourage each other as if it depended on you. I'm gonna challenge you to give as if it depended on you. I'm gonna challenge you to love. I'm gonna challenge you to dig. I'm gonna challenge you to go for it because if you will, you will find the technology that you need for the next season that God has for you as a church. Seek the kingdom of God above all else all and, and live righteously and he will give you everything that you need. So uh, first, I, I believe, I really do that there will be blessing in this next season. You watch for it. Here's the second one. You're not gonna like it quite as much. There are gonna be some challenges in this next season. You are gonna face some challenges in this next season. Jesus has his guys you know, gathered around for the, 
the, the Last Supper. You know, Da Vinci was there. He caught a picture of it. And um, <laughs> they're there at the, at the table. And, and it's not just the communion, but it's the whole John 14 through 17 is kind of last speech to him, you know? And he's preparing them because they're coming into a new season, right? He says, guys, in this new season, he said, in this world, you will have trouble. <laughs> I bet they didn't stand up and applaud, you know. <laughs> but Jesus said, you're gonna have trouble in this next season. And here's the sad thing. You were made to live in a garden. You were created to live in a place of plenty. But there will be times when you will be in a wilderness fighting for your life. And you're gonna experience that. There will be seasons that will be like that. Man, we all are, we're just coming through one. And I'm, when saying coming through, I'm declaring for the future that we're coming through. But I've never seen anything like um, the last couple of years. I, I know I deal with pastors a lot. We've planted 1,000 churches, almost 1,000 churches uh, in the last 20 years through, uh, through ARC, the Association of Atlanta Churches. And, uh, and uh, we, we started a re- retreat center by the grace of God uh, in Charleston just this, the, a few months ago. We've already had 150 leaders that have come through. And I was talking to John Eldridge. You guys know who John Eldridge is, the Wild at Heart guy? And I told John, I said, man, I'm dealing with pastors, and it's almost as if they're dealing with PTSD. And he says, no, he says they are dealing with that. And it's not just pastors. It's leaders in various areas, but I deal with pastors. And early on in this thing, I told my wife, I said, I've been in ministry 40 years, and this is the biggest leadership challenge that I've ever seen in my life. Biggest leadership challenge. I mean, you know, uh, we were at Seacoast, we were coming off a great high, you know? I mean, we just built this new building, and we had the art conference coming to Charleston for the first time. Attendance was you know, really growing and families are being put together. It was an amazing, amazing time. And then the perfect storm hit, a pandemic, and then a racial tearing in our nation, and then the craziest political race I've ever seen in my life, and the, the, uh, the, the, the remains of that. And then, uh, and then one of our pastors, um, most popular pastor probably that we have committed suicide, took his own life. And I, I felt like we were in a wilderness and we're fighting for our lives. Have you ever felt like that? I'm sure Alex and Liz have felt like that. We've talked a little bit about even this, trying to build this building during a pandemic and church and, and all that went on. And then, and then I, had a friend, I had a friend that wrote a blog and he said, uh, how, to, how to pastor a church where nobody agrees with anybody on anything. Just one word about that. Just one word about it. If everybody in your group or in your church sees things the way that you do, looks like you do, votes the same way you do, uh, it doesn't look like heaven. It doesn't look like heaven, okay? We are to be heaven on earth. We can have different opinions on things, but we need to smell like Jesus when we do. Do you agree with that? That's the best thing I said all day. That's good, all right. And and Alex knows that everything is twice as hard, takes twice as long, and costs twice as much. You know, that's what you think in the very beginning. Feels like you're fighting for your life. Jesus said, very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. 
I know he's talking about himself. I get that. But there are some things that need to die in us. And sometimes the only place they die is in the desert. And sometimes we resist the desert and we resist the dying. And those things that are dying are the things that are holding us back from what God has for us in the fullness of life. Selfishness needs to die. Anger needs to die. Fear needs to die. Greed needs to die. Racism needs to die. And often that happens in the desert. So, so let me just say that there will be blessings in this church. You, you watch for them. And there will be some challenges in the next season. Let me just give you one more thought. That in the next season, some of our biggest blessings will come out of our biggest challenges. Some of our biggest blessings. I believe the challenge that we're in right now I believe as a church, I don't have time to develop this, but you, did, did you know that the last time that, that America was in a situation like it is right now, I lived through it, Ron lived through it, the 1960s, I mean, you had a war that was unpopular, you had, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the, the moral fiber of America was to- totally changing, you had riots in the city, and you know, what, you know what came out of that? The biggest revival that we've experienced in our lifetime the Jesus movement, which led into the charismatic movement of the 80s. I'm believing that God is gonna bring something incredible out of what we are going through right now. I'm, I'm really am believing for that. I'm gonna see it with these eyes. Not only am I gonna see it, I'm gonna participate in it, amen? Amen. But some of our biggest blessings are gonna come from our biggest challenge. I wanna read you a scripture, Isaiah chapter 35 and verse one and two. We did a whole series on this verse at the beginning of the year. It says, uh, let me just set it up like this. Isaiah is a prophet, okay? Israel is in a desert, okay? They're, they're held ca- captive. They don't see the future, what's going on. And Isaiah sees that, and he gives them a prophetic word. And he says this. He says, even the wilderness and desert will be glad in those days. The wasteland will rejoice and blossom with spring crocuses. Yes, there will be an abundance of flowers and singing and joy. The deserts will become as green as the mountains of Lebanon, as lovely as Mount Carmen or the plain of Sharon. There, the Lord will display his glory, the splendor of our God. Here's what he's saying. He's seeing something in the spirit that he has also seen in the flesh. He's prophesying about something that will happen physically and spiritually in Israel. If... uh, if you've studied any of these things, there, there are certain deserts, there, uh, Nevada, uh, in California, Israel. There are deserts that are just as brown as brown can be, but something will happen. There'll be an abundance of rain. In fact, sometimes it feels like it's too much rain will come. And when that abundance of rain comes, seeds that were dormant in the cracks and crevices of rocks and sand begin to bloom. It's called a super bloom. You can look it up, not right now. But you can look at a super bloom. And, and it's just beautiful and it's an incredible phenomenon. And here's what Isaiah's saying. He's seen that. I'm sure he's seen that. And now he's seeing it in the spirit. And he's saying, you know, you're in a hard place. You're in a difficult time. It's a challenge. But out of that challenge, listen, watch. Look at the last part of that verse. It says, there, where? In the wilderness, in the wasteland. There the Lord will display his glory, the splendor of our God. Never give up in the wilderness. Never give up in the wasteland. You will have difficult times that will come, okay? God is going to bless you. There are going to be challenges. You'll have difficult times. But the greatest blessings will come out of your most difficult challenges. I could tell you 10 stories of that. I'm going to tell you one, and I'll be done. 
So 2018, I'll, I'll never forget um, uh, Thanksgiving of 2018. Uh, you know, our family always gathers together. And <laughs> let me tell you something. If they don't bring any friends, there's 24 of us. And they always bring friends. And so it's a feast when we have a meal together. And at Thanksgiving, my daughter announced that she, she had cancer, breast cancer. And breast cancer is a big deal any, anyway, but in my family, my mother died of breast cancer. And so there's always the fear of, you know, that running in the, in the gene pool. And, and Jenny announced that my youngest daughter, and she has four, four children and um, just, uh, just an incredible mother and incredible person. She works, serves me in some areas in the church. And and it, it, it was difficult. It was, you know, when, when it's somebody else's house, you're concerned about it. When it's yours, it can be devastating. Some of you have been there. And uh, to be honest with you, um, yeah, it was real challenging. And so what, what we do at Seacoast is we start every year uh, with 21 days of prayer and fasting, okay? And then we, we start the new year, and we always start on a first Wednesday. And my son Josh, who is the lead pastor now, came to me and he said, Dad, what would you think about us doing 21 days of prayer and fasting, ending that on a fourth Wednesday with a healing and miracle night. And we'll just pray for Jenny. And there are some other people that are in Jenny's place. And we talked about it. We said, well, I hope there's healing and miracles. If we announce it, you know, we don't, it, that doesn't happen all the time, you know, and whatever. And so uh, one of our guitar players uh, had been healed of a, an amazing thing. I just, uh, uh, and over the telephone from a guy in Nashville. And so Josh said, do you mind if we bring this guy in to kind of lead a part of our service on a fourth Wednesday? I said, not a problem. And so uh, he came in and the night before I met with him and I said, uh, now how do you usually handle this in a service like this? He said, well, I've never done one. I thought, whoa, 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 whoa. So we have, you know, hundreds. There were about 1,100 people that came that night. And... Uh, I said, well, where did you learn, you know, to pray? And so he said, on YouTube. A millennial. He learned everything on YouTube. Learned how to pray on YouTube. I said, well, okay. And so, and so I, I told him, I said, I, said I, 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 well, I went home and I prayed about it that night. Didn't sleep much. And I told him, I said, here's what we're going to do. Um, you're going to have about 15 minutes. What we do on first week, our weekend services are hour to hour and 10 minutes. We turn them, turn them, turn them. We've got lots of services. First Wednesday, we'll do about an hour and a half, maybe an hour, 40 minutes, because we've got kids in the nursery. And so I told him, I said, here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna give you about 15 to 20 minutes. We're gonna have worship, 15, 20 minutes, and we're gonna pray for people, and it'll be good. I said, okay, great. Seven and a half hours later, we ended the service, okay? <laughs> 230 plus people were healed. And here's what we did, it was, it was so funny. My, my, it ended at like two in the morning and, and my son Josh called a, a meeting of the leadership team at uh, nine o'clock the next morning. I thought, why nine o'clock? He said, we, we, we may have just ruined our church. We have got to figure out what we're doing. And so we got at nine o'clock and so we've divided up people's names who we thought were healed, who said they were healed and we called them. And we said, are you still healed? <laughs> have you been to a doctor? Has the doctor said anything about it? You would not believe guys, I saw everything saw amazing things that I've never seen in my life. We, one of our worship leaders, one of the last healings, one of our worship leaders had flat feet, hurt her all the time, all this kind of stuff, said, I'd like, you know, arches. And we watched as arches were grown. And she couldn't walk. She had to learn how to, how to rewalk. We've seen amazing things. And so, and so we, we thought, whoa, what are we gonna do with this? And so uh, about 
I don't know, four, six weeks later, we announced it four, uh, six weeks for a first Wednesday, and we had over, uh, over 3,000 people try to get into our building that would only hold about 1,300 people, and we, again, saw this going on. So this was amazing, and this comes at the time when my daughter has cancer. And she wasn't one of those 230 the first time and a couple hundred the second time that saw physical manifestations of healing. Do you know what? I sat and I talked to her about that. And I have a theology of healing that says this, that when we pray for people, we just, we just believe everybody gets healed. Some people get healed w- with a miracle of just God's power, like we saw that night. Some people get healed with a miracle of medicine. And some people get healed by a miracle of walking into the presence of Jesus. And don't ever forget, that's the goal. They win. They win. That's the goal. And uh, so I sat down and Jenny said, you know, Dad, I've, I've felt all the way along. She told her mom too. She said, I feel like God's called me to walk through the middle of this to show people how you can do this with grace and faith. In the middle of God's presence. And I want to tell you something. I want to tell you something. We, we had revival in our church. The biggest blessing that year came out of our biggest struggle and our biggest challenge. And by the way, Jenny is cancer-free. And uh, we're excited about that. But I just want to affirm and encourage you guys Man, there's been some great things and there's been some great leadership here. But the best really is yet to come. There are gonna be blessings because that is the nature of our God. There will be challenges because that's the nature of our enemy. But our greatest blessings are gonna grow out of some of our greatest challenges at this church. You stay here. You stay planted. And God's gonna do great things. Can can, Can I pray for you just a minute? Lord, thank you for your kingdom. Thank you for the leadership that's here. Uh, Alex and Liz and those that serve along with them. We're grateful for them. And God, we make a commitment right now that we're gonna dig in. Lord, you're gonna bless and your blessing is largely determined by our obedience. We're gonna obey. We're gonna choose to obey things even right now that we know to be true, but we've had a challenge obeying. We're gonna obey and we're gonna dig, and we're gonna receive your blessings, and when the desert comes, we're gonna look for the super bloom and believe that our greatest blessings will come out of even the things that the enemy would try to challenge us with. I pray your blessing over this congregation. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. You know, I'm reminded I love this building, man. I love it. Greg, it reminds me so much of the original, doesn't it? It's, it's, it's kind of interesting how it's like, wow. But you know what? The truth of the matter is this is the house of Jesus. This is the house. And our job is to go out there and bring the house of God to a community that needs it. And so what we're going to do right now, we want you to engage. We're kind of going to shift our gears and we're going to bring, we're going to just have some prophetic prayers. We're going to, I know Ron Hamilton's either going to be in Jeremiah or Isaiah. I can pretty much promise you that. And we're just going to say a couple of scriptures and we're going to prophetically pray over this place. 
and we're going to agree with God. So we need you to engage with us as we do that. You guys can come. This is Dr. Ron Hamilton, Fred Norris, and uh, Dr. Stephen Vulo. Alex. Yes, I'm in Isaiah, no doubt. But as I was walking up, the Lord reminded me of the story of 2 Kings 6. When the prophets had to expand, had to expand their house, so they went and they began to cut down trees. And I believe God is telling you, He is expanding your house. And as they began to do that, though, as they began to do that, the prophet was using an axe, and it fell into the lake, went to the bottom of the lake. And he said, it has been barred. Our life has been barred from God. We belong to God. And I just, as I began to walk up, I, God began to show me that all through this area, there are people, their life is at the bottom of the lake. Their life belongs to God. They belong to Jesus Christ. And you guys are going to go after them. You're going to dig for that copper that Greg talked about. You're going to dig for the people that God is looking for. You know, in Ezekiel 37, where did he put Ezekiel? In the valley of dry bones. And he put him, and you're in the valley of dry bones. You got dry bones all around you. And God is just commissioning you now. I, I just sense it. That you have built a house, and now God is going to deploy you into the culture, into the society, places, and your vocation, and your gifts. You know, God's purpose is to bring the kingdom of God upon the earth. But your assignment is how God wired you, how he made you. I was telling Greg and everybody this Great funny story about down on Paris Island that the, a young recruit was standing there, and of course the sergeant came in front of him and began to bark at him and said, uh, 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 young man, what is your purpose? I mean, uh, why are you here? He said, I'm here to find my purpose. Well, about three days later when he could hear again, he remembered the sergeant said, you have no purpose. The Marines have the purpose. You have an assignment. And I'm telling you, God's purpose. It was in Genesis 126, 27. You have dominion. God has given you the kingdom of God. And he's made you like himself in his image and his likeness to go. And then Jesus said it in, in Matthew 6, 10. Kingdom of heaven, come where? Here on the earth. Guys, you have an assignment the way God has made you. What you do is not insignificant. Who you are is not insignificant. And this, uh, this wind up here is taking me away out of Isaiah. Here's Isaiah 62. I want you to receive this, okay? Receive it for yourself. You are not insignificant. And God is going to be mobilizing you into all phases in this city. And you're going to be there. When people need you, you're going to prophesy. You're going to give them encouraging words. And as, I, as 2 Kings 6, it's the blood of Jesus. He cut the, 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 the branch, the cross of Jesus. It's the blood of Jesus that raises people from the bottom of the lake and gives them new life. So here's my prayer for you and receive it. It says, for Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. 
And for each side's sake, I will not keep quiet or silent until your righteousness goes forth like brightness from Jesus and your salvation like a torch that is burning. The nations of people will see your righteousness from Jesus and all kings will see your glory. The glory of God is in you. And I'm going to tell you in Habakkuk, we're going to see the knowledge of the glory of God cover the earth. And it's going to be through you as you go forth with the very glory of God. You're going to be changing atmospheres. You're going to see the places that God has given you. Where you put your foot down, God is going to give you that land and the people in that land. And they will be called by a new name, which the mouth of the Lord will designate. And hear this, you are a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord. I believe that's for people today. You are significant. You're beautiful in God's eyes. He's made you the way he wired you. And he loves you. He's going to use you like you are. And you are a royal diadem in the hand of your God. And it will no longer be said to you forsaken, nor to your land will be any longer be called desolate, but you will be called and you will be seen as my delight is in her. And your land will be called married for the Lord delights in you. And here again, in Isaiah 62, as far as the worship, I heard it today in the worship. It was so strong this morning. Go through, go through the gates. Your worship here is going to clear the skies. It's going to level the ground. The enemy is going to be scattered. And then the ground forces are going into this area and see God bring his salvation. Go through the gates. Clear the way for the people. Build up, build up the highway. Remove the stones as you worship, the stones of, of racism, the stones of pain and rejection, the stones in people's hearts. God is going to do a work through your worship. He's going to level the land, and the glory of God is going to come in through the highway of worship. It's almost like I saw the vision of the planes dropping bombs to level the land, to level the structure of the enemy. And then the ground forces come in. And you're going to see people saved all around you because your glory that's in you. People are going to see it. You'll, you'll be that city on the hill. You'll be the salt of the earth. Open your eyes and see, Isaiah 60 says, open your eyes and see that they gather around you. And then darkness, the light of God is coming upon you in a greater way. So be aware of what God is doing around you and through you. I feel so strong, he wants you to know how significant you are and where he's placed you. And you are going to see his harvest. Remove the stones, lift up her standard for the people, which is the kingdom of heaven on earth. And God will so empower you to bring his who and his how. You know, the image of God is the nature of God, but the likeness in the Hebrew has a sense of functionality. No, there's a who and a how of God. And God wants to bring that in every place of culture. So God wants you to deploy you in Jesus' name to bring his glory throughout all the earth in every place in Charlotte. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, brother. Each one of you has a voice that's unique.
and he needs your voice. He needs your voice. When we pray by the unction of the power of the Holy Spirit, we release. When we praise, we release. When I was sitting there this morning, the Lord, I felt, spoke to me that you have a culture here that's been built around values. Don't shrink back. It was a core value. Number two, it's been sustained by prayer. The culture here has been sustained by prayer. And moving forward, it's going to be advanced by the sound of the people here. As we sang earlier, roaring like there's a lion in your chest. There's a sound that the Lord wants in this hour. He's doing it all over. It's a sound of healing. It's a sound of hope. It's a sound of heaven. It's wrapped up in his love. He wants to release that sound through you. And for some of you, it's moving out of your comfort zone. It's being a little more demonstrative in worship than you ever thought you would. But as you step out into these new areas... He's going to pour a new sound for you. Acts says, when the people of the city heard the sound, the roaring sound, crowds came running to where it was coming from. Isn't that what we've been singing about today? Isn't that what's in our hearts that we want? That's a good time for an amen. So stay stirred up. You stay stirred up by praying in the Holy Spirit in your prayer language. Continue. Release worship every day. Get loud. Get loud and shout. Can I pull the string off just a second? Because I might not be in that key. And I'm going to do something. So get stirred up. I got to drop down to E minor. <clears throat> See, I told you, I, gotta, I can't sing as high as Mike. So get stirred up. Let it start here. We're locking arms together and shouting down walls of fear. Oh, Eastside Church, we'll be united in him when we're on our knees and crying out to him. Oh, get stirred up. It's starting here. We're locking arms together and shouting down walls of fear. Oh, this Charlotte city will be united in him when you're on your knees and crying out to him. Oh, yeah, we won't, we won't be shaken. We won't, we won't be shaken. We won't. We won't be shaken because we live in love with the power of God. We won't, we won't, we won't be shaken. We won't, we won't be shaken. We won't, we won't be shaken. Live in love with the power of God, yeah. Oh, uh -huh. 
Yeah, oh, uh-huh. Yeah, cause I've made up my mind, I keep loving my brother. I made up my mind, it don't matter what color. I made up my mind, I keep loving my brother. I'm living love with the power of God. I'm stirred up. It's starting here. We're locking arms together. Come on. Shouting walls of fear. We're bringing them down this holy city. Will it be united again when we're on our knees crying out to him? Oh, we're stirred up. It's starting here. It's starting here. We're locking arms. We're locking arms together. Shouting, shouting down walls of fear. Eastside Church. Oh, Eastside Church. We'll be united in him when we're on our knees and crying out to heaven. Now, we won't. Here we go. We won't. We won't be shaken. We won't. We won't be shaken. We won't. We won't be shaken, live in love. Come on, you can move around a little bit. We won't, we won't, we won't be shaken. We won't, we won't be shaken. We won't, we won't be shaken. Live in love with the power of God. I better get off this stage. Well, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> Man, you put him last. Come on. That's, you gotta, you gotta, <laughs> oh, man. I got such a good message I feel like the Lord's given me, but y'all are going to have to bear with me, okay? <laughs> I was driving through Charleston. I don't know, 2017, 2018, I was down there for some reason. And I felt like the Lord gave me this vision. I told you about it, Alex, at the time. And I saw all of these churches empty and desolate and just completely, you know, they were crumbling edifices that were void of the Spirit of God. And I felt like the Lord gave me this message this word that that's the future for any house that isn't plugged in and pursuing God and his spirit full-time, 100%, diving in, 100% about the Lord. And I didn't, and that's just kind of sat there. I think you're the only person I've told that, that vision I had to, Alex. And, and I look it came into this morning, and I feel like right now, as I heard Greg, you talk about these revival movements that we've gone through as as a church, and I and I, I feel like there's this time of abundance that the church has moved through, and I feel like we're moving into a time of famine, into a time of of lack, a time of pestilence, a time of a, a time where there there is nothing. But the encouraging word there is, I felt like the Lord was was speaking to me about like the story of Joseph, right? 
that Joseph was wise during the time of abundance. So he filled the storehouses with seed because during the time of famine, then everybody would run to where the storehouse was for their provision. And I feel like that's the season we're going into. Don't fight against the famine when the famine is what's going to bring people to the Lord. And I feel like that's the season we're moving into because I feel like the Lord needs to create contrast between the desert and the, the fountain. And so we're moving into a season where the greatest blessing is coming because Jesus is the greatest blessing. What does Psalm 63 says? It says, in a dry and weary land where there is no water, my soul thirsts for you. And we're moving into a season now where it has to be 100% about Jesus because the pestilence and the, and the famine will overcome anything that is not 100% about Jesus, about his heart, about his love, about what he desires in us and through us and for the people. The people, Joey, when we sat on I-77, when we first came up here, and you looked at me and you said, what do you see all around you? And I saw traffic, but you said you saw souls. It's about the people. It's about souls. And God desires to bring everyone and everybody to himself. He desires that none would perish, but that all would live. And so we as Christians have to be prepared. We have to store up in the time of abundance so that we have the answer during the time of famine. And we thank you, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, that you are the answer, that you are the fountain that doesn't run dry, that when the land turns to famine, Father, that you are still the answer, that everyone would run, that they would flock to you, Jesus. And I pray, Father God, that there would be fountains springing up of you all over this country, Father God, that there would be places of refuge, oases in the desert, Father God, where people would flock to you, that they would flock, understanding that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the Alpha and Omega of the one who was before all time began and who will be when all things pass away, that, Father God, everyone would run to you. And I thank you, Father God, that fountains of living water would spring up all around us, Father God, and people would run to you, that east side would be a fountain of living water, that churches all over the southeast, all over the west coast, all over the Midwest, the northeast, all over Africa and China and Russia, Father God, in Australia and Canada, all over the place, Father God, we would see a revival of springs springing up, Father God, in the midst of the desert so that all people can run to you, Father, so that all people can run and say, I can't live in the desert and I can't survive like this. I need water. I need a fountain that doesn't run dry. So, Father God, I pray that we would be that fountain. I pray that we would be that place, Father God. I pray, Lord, that this would be a place where people can come, Father God, where they can experience you, where they can receive healing, they can receive life, they can receive abundance, Father God, because it's only found in you. It's only found in you, Jesus. We thank you, Father God, for the desert place because we can live in the oasis in that moment. Draw people to you, Jesus. Draw them to you, Jesus. The Lord gave me this scripture. I don't know if it's going to be up here or not. It's from Numbers 24, 15 to 19. And I love this story. It's the story of Balaam. He gets called, he's the sorcerer, gets called by Balak. Balak wants him to come and curse Israel. And he goes up there, and Balaam just can't do it. Balaam, 
he's a sorcerer, but he goes and he, he starts to do his little magic stuff and he gets stopped by the Lord from cursing Israel. The king gets more and more mad each time when he refuses and he actually starts blessing Israel from the mountaintop. And then you get to verse 15. This is the fourth time and the last time that Balaam prophesies. Balaam, a sorcerer, prophesies here over Israel. He says, so he took up his oracle and said, the utterance of Balaam, the son of Beor, and the utterance of the man whose eyes are opened, the utterance of him who hears the words of God and has the knowledge of the Most High, who sees the vision of the Almighty, who falls down with eyes wide open. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob. A scepter shall rise out of Israel and batter the brow of Moab and destroy all the sons of Tumult. And Edom shall be a possession, Seir also his enemies shall be a possession. While Israel does valiantly, out of Jacob one shall have dominion and destroy the remains of the city. Father God, we thank you that as anyone who looks out at the church, Father God, I thank you that the contrast would be so great, Father God, that as they look out, all they would see is you. I pray, Father God, that we would lay down all that we are, that we would lay down our identity and assume yours, Father God so that all those that might look to open their mouth and pronounce a curse, Father God, that it would be stopped in their tracks because of the obviousness of the hand of the Almighty. We ask you to move, God. And we ask that Jesus would be so obvious and so thick and so present on us, Father God. That we would walk in your blessing. That the oasis, the fountain, the place that we are, that it would be all about you that all those that look, Father God, would see you. And Lord, we pray that those who look, even the ones who look to pronounce a curse, Father God, I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would move on their hearts. I pray that you would turn hearts to you, Father God. Lord, everyone that would think that thinks they're an enemy of you, Father God, everyone that would seek to tear you down, Father God, I thank you that your love would prevail even in their hearts, Father God. I thank you for repentance. I thank you for redemption. I thank you for a fountain that never runs dry, a love and a mercy that's so much bigger than I can understand. We thank you, Lord. Move in power, Father. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We give you glory, God. All things are from you, through you, to you. You're the beginning and the end. We honor you in this moment. I'm so reminded of the power of the church this morning. Can we thank Greg? Can we thank Joey? Can we thank the entire team? Thank you guys for being here. Thank you for making the sacrifice. Thank you for making this moment special. Thank you for all you've poured in. We bless you. We honor you. You know, Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew 16, who do you say? And Peter said, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus said, right here on this revelation, I'm going to build something called my church. And the gates, the government, all that hell has will not prevail. In fact, that's a defensive posture. This church, this kingdom work on the earth is always advancing, always moving forward. And hell can't take the onslaught. And so, Father, we thank you for the power that is your church, for the community, Father, the ecclesia, the people on mission 
that are your church, God. What an invitation. What an invitation. We want to do that well. We want to steward that well. Just a couple of invitations to plug in further. First of all, if you're visiting with us this morning, you picked a good day. Thank you for being a part of this celebration service with us. If you guys want to find out more, if you want to connect with us, right back there in that corner, it says connect. We would love to meet you. We'd love to spend some time with you, get to know you a little bit. And also, our Wednesday night, our Wednesday night Bible study, almost at our Wednesday night service, our Wednesday night Bible study, we're starting that up, y'all. Not this Wednesday, next Wednesday. Say next Wednesday so you don't show up this Wednesday. Next Wednesday, 6.30 p.m. What this is going to be is a deep dive Bible study. Listen, if you're saying, I've always wanted to know how to really dig in and study the word, this is the place to be equipped. This is the place to be prepared. We're going to start with Ephesians. You guys like Ephesians? Listen, if you struggle with connecting with the Father God, join us. We're going to start with Ephesians. If you struggle with your identity in Christ, join us. We're going to start with Ephesians. Last thing, thank you for your faithfulness in giving. Thank you for your faithfulness in giving. So steady through it all. We appreciate you. We invite you. You guys know you can do that three ways. You can do it at the box in the back. You can do it through the app. You can do it online. Can I send you out of here with a blessing? Will you touch someone next to you? Put a hand on the shoulder. We're going to do it together. You'll know it when I start. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the, may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in the name of Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you, Eastside Church.